Okay, Daniel chapter 1. Okay. Um, you may have seen an email on, I think it was Friday, or you may have heard uh, Corey announcing it. We're, we're going to have a rerun of Sunday school. And it, the email said 6 p.m., but it's going to be 5 p.m. In, in here. Everyone in here is welcome to come. It's also for anyone who uh, may not be able to come to Sunday school. Maybe they're a teacher or um, slept late or whatever the reason might be. If well, It's going to be, I'm not going to say a word for word because um, I don't really plan out what I'm going to say. I don't want that to be a big shock, but uh, it's, It'll be the same passage. It won't be another passage unless I get really confused. But uh, if you want, if you know anyone who, who would, you know, maybe they'd rather, maybe they work nights and would rather come to, you know, something at 6, it's at 5 p.m., right? Just checking to make sure everybody was paying attention. 5 p.m. in here. It's going to start tonight, and we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. Um, Daniel chapter 1. I was thinking that Daniel, every chapter to me, it's like, do you remember, or maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't, and it may still happen to you, but I remember going to a cafeteria as a child, and I mean, they have just, you know, it looked like a mile long of, they start with the desserts, right, or maybe it's the jello, and then the desserts, and everything looks so good. And, 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 and dad would say, don't get every, you can't get everything. It's not going to fit on your tray. You can't eat it all. You have to limit yourself. But Daniel, and uh, so many of the chapters, it's like being in a cafeteria. There is so much material, and I don't know that I could digest it all, much less communicate it all. So if you see something that I skip over, point it out. Say, what about this? And because I may have just totally missed it or I may have forgotten that I was going to, I'm probably going to claim that I, for, I had that in my notes and I was going to say it, but um, that might not be entirely true. Daniel chapter 1, we left off in verse 8, but let's read, let's start in verse 6. And, and, and see what is, what is happening with our, our, our new, they're old, but our new four, four new friends. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 6. Among, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Misael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And, Daniel, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king. Who assigned your food and drink? For why should he see you in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward 
whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the third year of King Cyrus. Somewhere I, I heard the observation... Uh, and I, I don't remember if this was in big church with Corey in the last couple of weeks. I don't think it was because he, he just gave a, a, a he, he, he mentioned what the passages were that he was, uh, had been preaching on on these, this 2020. But somewhere I, I came across this observation that two of the biggest events in the history of Israel were, were, were What? That's a terrible question. Okay. Israel, the Exodus, and the exile. The Exodus happened, why? Because God's people had gone to Egypt for, uh, because there was a famine in the land. Who had God sent to Egypt before to prepare the family coming down? Joseph. Now, how old do you suppose Joseph was when he went to Egypt? Well, we don't know, but more than likely he was a teenager. The second event, the, the exile, who does God send to Babylon prior to you know, the, the Israel, uh, Jerusalem being destroyed later, but he sends another teenager. In this, this case, chapter 1 points out probably four teenagers that God sent. And Daniel's there. We see that, that last verse until the first year of King Cyrus. He was actually there later, but, but I think in, in chapter 1, the, the writer's just Daniel. The writer's just showing how long he had been there, that, that he, 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 he stays there there's no Babylonian empire anymore because he's there until the first year of Cyrus, the Persian who comes in and, and conquers Babylon. And so it's sort of a testimony to God's faithfulness. But God sent these teenagers before the bigger group went. God is always prepared for, for what's going to happen to his people. 
and, and he is positioning people. And sometimes the older you get, maybe you, maybe you plateau, but you know, there's, there's a time when it's like those stinking teenagers and you were one and I was one. Well, maybe not me. Okay. But we were all, you know, those bratty teenagers, they don't have a clue. But then maybe you plateau and, and you look at them and say, there's our future. Some, one of them does something extraordinary and it's like, oh, God is using that young man, that young woman. And, and we see that, that, that God, as we get into the book of Daniel and knowing that this is in about 605, the first time that Nebuchadnezzar goes, besieges Jerusalem, takes captives back to, to Babylon. He's going to go two more times in 597 and in 586 when he destroys the temple and all of Jerusalem. And Daniel was already there in position for what, for what the, the other exiles coming would need that, that God has positioned here. Him there. Daniel and his friends have they've been captured, taken 500 miles. Well, it's actually about 500 air miles if you were flying. But, but, but some say if you're going to take the best route for walking and not go across this desert, that it would be more like 900 miles would be the comfortable walking route to go from Jerusalem to, to Babylon. 500 is far enough, but you throw a desert in the middle of it, and maybe they did decide to take a little bit longer and, and, and go around the, the desert. They arrive at this, in the city of Babylon, this, this great city with walls that are 80 feet high, 85 feet wide. They, they, they did chariot races around on the top of the wall. Nebuchadnezzar is working on other projects. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. He's also building this, this gate called the Ishtar Gate. It's, it's about 30 years from completion when Daniel arrives there, but it's this, this great gate with this high arching entrance about 38 feet, feet high with, with all of these... Um, Texas stars, but also lions and tigers and bears and dragons and, 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 and carvings in this gate that they, they, they're dedicated to all the Babylonian gods and goddesses. So you're a, you're a, a young Jewish boy, teenager, an Israelite who is, wor who is to worship one the one true God, even though the nation has, has rebelled, been unfaithful, disobedient, has chased after other gods, but you're, you're transported, you're taken, probably in chains, 500 miles away, and you enter through this and you see this. There's the temple of Marduk is there. Nebuchadnezzar, we, we saw back in verse 2, he had taken vessels out of the house of God and put them in the house, the treasury, to the temple of Marduk. And then you hear, they, 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 Nebuchadnezzar then, it says, just, just to rehash what was in, in, in the first five verses, he wants his chief of staff, 
It's called the chief of, of, of the eunuchs. It's an official, whether or not he was a eunuch or not, the, the wording is, he probably was, but, but it could mean just official. It says, get some of the no, royal family, nobility, use without blemish, that are, that are handsome, they're skillful, they're endowed with knowledge, competent, and we're going to teach them the ways of the Chaldeans. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to change their names. And they all have good Hebrew names. Names that, that reflect who God is. Daniel meaning God is my judge. If you want to know that what their, all their names mean, well, you can ask me after class or come back tonight. All of their names mean have are are a uh, an honor to God. They hear that and they 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 remember who God is. Nebuchadnezzar says, "Get rid of those names. All these new names reflect the gods of the Babylonians, whether it be Marduk or his consort or uh, Nebo." He, Nebuchadnezzar is what? He's, he's trying to indoctrinate them. Is there a worser word? Brainwash. Is worser a word? A worse word, brainwash. He's trying to brainwash them. Then what's he going to do? We're going to put them in school. This is like at least doing your bachelor's degree in three years. You're not even getting the summers off. So if you don't take the summers off, unless you fail a lot of courses, you can get it in three years. But it's you're just indoctrinated. You're going through school just constantly. That he says, I want them to. We're going to teach them the language, all of our, all of our uh, uh, religion, all of all of the cultural things, the literature language. And then what's the final thing? We're going to, you're going to eat at the king's table. Okay, there's three things. Now of the three, which of those three is, uh, okay, you rank them. You know, from one, to, from one being the, the most desirable, three being the least desirable, do any of them sound good? If you haven't read the whole chapter, if you haven't read verse 8 where it says, but Daniel, okay, having your name changed, that's probably not, that wouldn't be great, but it wouldn't be the worst thing to happen. Going to school and learning a new language, that's the bottom of my list. I do not want to do that. Eating the king's food, okay, I'm... That sounds good. It's like, hey, we, I could do that. And these are teenagers. And you know how teenagers eat? I mean, they, they, they eat all the time. So would you, you know, I'm, that's just me. I'm thinking the name change, I really don't want that. I sure don't want to have to go to school. But I will eat at the king's table. But what does Daniel do? Verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would, he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine he drank. Okay, if, if we weren't familiar with this passage like we are, 
you know, you've probably read it before. This is not, e even before, uh, I think it was May the 3rd when we did this, um, not virtually, but the, 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 the audio. You, you had read it before. You know Daniel was going to stand up to the king and say, and say no. That might be a little overstatement. It is. Does it surprise you? What would be wrong with Daniel and, and his friends eating the king's food? He, it, and it is resolved. Is that in our normal vocabulary? I mean, it's not, I, don't, I probably didn't say it last week other than reading this. You know, I'm thinking, okay, he resolved himself. What, what does resolved mean? I think it's stronger than resigned. I think resigned, what, I don't know. Determination. I think one translation says he made up his mind. It was placed on his heart. He, he, he determined in his heart. Now, we, we even still, we know the brain is, is what controls everything, so it's all thinking. But we still, sometimes when we are really determined about something, it's like, I just felt it in my heart. I just, I knew in my heart this is what I had to do. And, and so this isn't just a spontaneous decision, even though they just announced this to Daniel, that, that, that he, he was resolved, he was determined not, what? To defile himself. Now, how do you think he, how would you expand or expound on that, defile himself. What, what would Daniel's view be, if I'm defiling myself, what am I doing? Going against God. He told them to obey his... his what did God tell the Israelites in Leviticus? To, to be obedient, to be faithful. And then what did he tell them would happen if they weren't? It was a progressive punishment that it was starting with this. I think part of it, what Daniel sees is, I've got to start here with the little thing because this is, some, this is being unfaithful to God. Why? How is it unfaithful to God? Could be that the meat was sacrificed to idols. But who's to say that the fruits and vegetables weren't sacrificed to idols also? So it's like, well, okay, maybe that's not it. Maybe it was the, the, because it didn't, the food they were serving didn't follow uh, Jewish food laws. Well, the wine wouldn't be on that list because it was okay for them to drink wine. So it's like, so scholars are like, well, we don't know exactly, you know, what he saw um, wrong with it or, or why he was so determined not to defile himself. Dr. T. 
Kemper Longman, uh, uh, an Old Testament scholar, he, he has several commentaries. One is the NIV uh, application commentary. He writes, he says, the motivation lies more closely with the story Daniel and his friends are in the process. Okay, the motivation lies more closely with the whole story. Daniel and his friends are in the process of education and preparation for service. Their minds and bodies are being fed by the Babylonian court. If it was proper, then, if they were to prosper, then, whom should they attribute their development and success to? If they prospered, they ate the king's food, they drank his wine, they did all this, then it, would it be natural for them to say, oh, we've prospered because of Nebuchadnezzar. So, so it, it's, it's even deeper than just maybe violating the food law or, or, or eating meat that was sacrificed to an idol. It's like, who then is ultimately in control and, 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 and causing us to, to prosper? It says, however, by refusing to eat the food of the king, they know it's not the king who is responsible for the fact that they look better than all the other young men. Their robust appearance is miraculously achieved by a diet of vegetables. Only God could do that. And so it was, it's, it's, there's not just a simple one word one sentence answer to why they resolved. Their resolve was their, their, their whole belief and attitude toward who God was and, and what this would demonstrate to the others. So, so Daniel says, we don't want to eat your food. Maybe he does something before then. He resolved not to eat it, and then he asked the chief of the eunuchs, okay, if you were Daniel or Danielle, whichever, would you, how would you approach the chief of the eunuchs, the one in control, when I am not going to defile myself with the king's food? How would... Okay, it doesn't have to be you. How could you see somebody else approaching this situation? It was sort of a challenge, wasn't it? it it's a challenge. Daniel asked for permission. How would we protest something today? I mean, would it be like... <laughs> There'd be a right. Yeah, it is a loaded question. <laughs> um, forget that. Okay, think about how an eight-year-old who doesn't want to eat something is going to act. I mean, you, you could throw, he could have thrown a fit, or he could have got up on his high horse and said, I absolutely will not eat the king's food, that, that this is going to defile me and, and draw all the attention to him. By just, you know, pounding his fist, getting his biggest Old Testament scroll and just tipping the eunuch over the head with it. But he doesn't. It says that he, he asks the chief of the eunuch to allow him not to defile himself. 
that, that he is respectful and, and, and calm, I think about that. The calmness when you're in a situation like that, I can respect Daniel for that because I don't, I'm not always calm. Like if I think about it later, it's like, oh, you, that, you blew that, Dave. You should have been much calmer than that. And what happened? After he asks the eunuch, there's one verb that's used at least three times in this chapter. Remember verb, action words? Verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Daniel resolved, made up his mind, determined in his heart that he wasn't going to de defile himself because he didn't want the credit to go to Nebuchadnezzar and, the, and, and his court, meaning those, those who are uh, in, in charge of Daniel. He wanted, Daniel wanted all the credit to go to God. God gave Daniel favor in the sight of Nebuchadnezzar. Remember in verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar. And there's going to be one more time when God gives them something, that God blesses Daniel and, and his three friends for their stand. And it's going to be quite obvious. But the chief of the eunuchs, he listened to Daniel. God gave Daniel favor in the sight, but the chief of the eunuchs is still a little bit, well, he's a lot scared, right? Verse 10, even though God gave Daniel favor in his sight, he says, I fear my Lord the king more than you teenagers. He, Nebuchadnezzar has assigned your food and your drink, and if you don't, follow his diet plan and then I bring you back in there and you look worse than all these other ones, what's going to happen? He's going to cut off my head. He's a mean guy and he knows this firsthand that, that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't mess around. And so, he, so, so even though God gave Daniel favor in the sight of the chief eunuch, that he was compassionate toward him and listened to him, he still would not relent and let them do it. So what does Daniel do? He goes to the warden, the one who is, is next in line, the steward, and he, and, and he says, test us for 10 days. And, if, and, if, and, if, and then you judge. Let our appearance be, be uh, the... the, the the benchmark, let, let our appearance be that what you judge us by. And if, we're, if we look worse, then we'll listen to you. We'll do what you say. And so it, it sounded good to him. God had given that steward a good attitude toward Daniel also. And so they do it for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, what happened? They brought them in, and it says their appearance is better than all those who've been eating the king's baby back ribs and, and, and drinking his wine and all those things. Their appearance is better. They're fatter. How do you get fat eating vegetables? Well, okay, it's black-eyed peas, fried okra, and cornbread, right? It's like you have to control yourself even with that. It, it means fit, not, not necessarily, you know, but, but just they looked better. 
they, they, they just looked better all the way around. So he continued to let them have that. Then what do they do? Verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature, wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all dreams and visions. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in. The king spoke to them. So they had their oral exams. They bring them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he finds them, they look better. They're, they're, they're physically in, in, in better condition. And they know more. They learned more. They, they are more intelligent. They, they understand. They have better skills and wisdom and literature. It says Daniel even had understanding in visions and dreams, which is kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in chapter 2, that, that God gave them all of this. God gave them um, favor in the sight of the chief eunuch and the steward, that, that God gave them all of this understanding in, in, in what uh, the, the ways of the, of the Babylonians. As a matter of fact, he tested them with all of the other wise men and enchanters. And where did they rank? Yeah, one, two, three, four. And they were ten times better than all the others. They were, they were head and shoulders above, above all the magicians and enchanters in all his kingdom. That's not just the other class of, of 602 B.C. That's all of the ones. Even the ones that were the teachers, they, they, were, found, they were found better. So, what can we take away from this? Is it, is it, has God chosen to preserve this just so we know about these four faithful teenagers and then, and then, and then our goal is, is like there's a, a, probably a book, Dare to Be Like Daniel, I mean, it's certainly not bad, but is that the sole reason? Or, or did, did God preserve this so somebody can make money by writing this book called The Daniel Diet? I, okay, if you eat fruits and vegetables, you're going to be smarter and, and you're going to be fitter and, and you're going to be good. Is that why this, this event that happened... 2,600 years ago, where it starts in about 605 B.C.? Or is there something else we can glean from it? Obey God? God's in control, which is, it sounds simple, but do, does our society culturally do, do, do we, do you hear that God's in control? Do, do we even live that way as believers and followers of Christ? Do we, do we think, or sometimes that's like, well, when it's convenient, I'm going to say, I'm going to 
follow the principle that God is in control. Over and over and over through Daniel, we see that, that, God, is in con that God is in control. And, and, and perhaps it's something that even though we know it and it sounds simple, it's something that we need to be reminded of to, to get it there in, in the forefront of our brain. What, what else, though, might we... I know one, I was listening to one podcast and, and this, it, it kind of reminded me when this morning when Corey was talking about David, you know, in heaven, did David take that baby and bounce him on his knee? And I, and I listened to this one podcast and, and, and this preacher was saying, you know, there's a lot of questions that come up um, out of this, this, this passage like, Daniel, okay, you stood up. You didn't want to defile yourself with the king's food, but what about all those passages in Leviticus that talk about magic and that you're not supposed to do magic or be a conjurer or anything? And he's like, I want to ask Daniel, you know, that. Did, did you, and he knows the answer. He's, he's really being, it, it's sort of a rhetorical. But then he's, he said, he also wants to know, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, how many of your fellow Israelites who were there tried to slip you a knife so that when you get into this status, you could go in and just stab Nebuchadnezzar? I don't know. I really don't, now I don't remember why I was going. Okay, it's like <laughs> there are other little side things, you know, you could, you could shoot off. But, but what else... Are we to, to glean from this? Remember on the first Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And, and, and he, he asked them, you know, what are you talking about? And they said, are you crazy? Where have you been? You know, that, that, that they were, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things? And, and, and they continued to, to walk. And then he said that he, he began, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted in all the scriptures the things concerning himself that Jesus told those those two, he opened their eye. That immediately they, they understood who he was, realized who he was. But, but that Jesus told these two disciples that all of these things, all of this scripture points to me. That just as, as Daniel and, and his friends in a, in a manner that was respectful, and, and really probably non-confrontational to the chief eunuch the, 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 and, and, and his, and his um, steward, the, the one underneath him, that that even demonstrates Christ being led to the slaughter like a, like a sheep without without bleeding. And that when he was reviled, First Peter tells us when he was reviled, he, he, he reviled not. He didn't answer in, in the kind. 
And so it, it, it points us, it shows us, in, in this sense, in many ways, Daniel is, is almost a type of Christ in how he, in how he goes. He, doesn't, he didn't choose to be sent to Babylon, but Jesus voluntarily, in obedience to the Father, came to this earth to pay the price for our sins. How else is there anything else that that you see it Daniel's obedience to God is ultimately not not really fulfilled but the 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 ultimate is in Christ's obedience to God. Daniel refuses the king's food. Jesus refused what? Bread and water on the mount of temptation. He said I'm not going to, you know, I'll live by the word of God the bread of, uh, of life, and that, that he, he even called himself the, the, the bread of life. That we, we look toward the Scripture with a lens of what it shows us about Christ, and Christ being the perfect, obedient servant. And that Daniel, Hanani, and, and, and Misael... Give us an example, but the real true example is Christ and his obedience as son, coming as son to, to be a, a, a sacrifice for us all. Okay, there's a cafeteria of stuff in here in chapter one that we didn't even touch, but and, and we're out of time. But if you have something, Another, if you have another observation, let me, you know, stay a little bit late. Can, can we go back before the book of Daniel on our own, not today, <laughs> and find where Daniel was instructed not to eat this way, to eat the way he's supposed to eat. Where did he come up with this idea not to defile himself? I think it was, where did Daniel come up with the idea or the, or the conviction not to defile himself? Right. It, it's a good question. So how far back do we need to go to They had dietary laws, but, but they're saying that is exclusively the only Leviticus. Leviticus. But saying that that is... The only reason isn't you can shoot holes in that argument. Or if, you know, one scholar says this, the other one says that, and, and, they, and they say, well, you know, you're not right because the wine wouldn't have, have defiled them in the, in, the, in the dietary laws.
I think it's his whole, how he was brought up, how he, I think it's his whole, Daniel is, his mindset is God-centered. And maybe it did violate the food laws. Some would say, well, the grain could have been sacrificed to idols, and, and he would have objected to that. That it's, if, if he eats the king's food, then everyone is going to attribute their success, their prosperity to the king. Daniel's like, no, give me vegetables and let it be that it show that God is the one who gave us this prosperity, this, this success. Um, I don't think there, he didn't look, I don't think Daniel found one verse in the Torah that said, don't eat. There were plenty of verses, you know, don't, the, the unclean animals and, 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 and birds that they couldn't eat, but that it was, it was, I think it was more than that. It was his, uh, his desire to be pure and undefiled before God in, in, for multiple reasons. Well, you mentioned earlier his name, God is my judge. Every time he says Daniel, he hears God is my judge. And so he, that's, that's a very good point, that, that he's, he's, he doesn't feel like God wants him to eat this food and that God will provide. Over and over, as we go forward in Daniel, we're going to see that there are several situations that the only way that the, the character in that account is going to be rescued is by intervention from God. And in this case, we're just going to eat vegetables and drink water. And God is faithful and rewards them for, for that. Okay. We'll look at chapter 2 next week. Um, if, if you want to discuss this more, um, we'll, we'll, we're going to have a, used to be called training union. Now it's, we're just going to call it a rerun at 5 p.m. This, this evening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the example that we have in, in Daniel but more so, God, how this passage shows us that you're in control, that none of this was a surprise to you, that you call us to be your faithful and obedient servants. We know that you're faithful in all the promises that you've given us. I just thank you for each one who's here. Just protect each one in these uncertain days and those who they're around that, that no one would would become sick. And I would just give you all the, the praise and the glory for you're worthy of our praise. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.